cold beer I got. That's a good one. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the SAP, the Sex Actually podcast. As always, it is your host, Dave Neal, with Tasha Courtney. What up? And our guest for the day from the rooftop in Silver Lake, California, Julian Shakuna. Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you so much for doing <laughs> the podcast today. Thank you for having me, absolutely. You you, you didn't know coming in that you were the first uh, guest. Rooftop guest. Rooftop guest. Yeah. I mean... Nice. We pull out no no uh, no shortages for for the do it yourself roof, rooftop podcast. Have you ever done a podcast on a roof before? Uh, first first time, first experience. <laughs> so we I got- mean, it's really a, a pretty okay setup. I'm digging it. We normally record in our kitchen, which is fine. It's good. It works, but we're having to make adjustments because of quarantine. So for those of you who are not watching this on YouTube, we are sitting. Uh, probably six to eight feet apart from Julian. Dave and I are on one uh, side. I got you a nice foam. I got nice new foam covers for you. I'll lice all everything afterwards. But I, like I said before we went on air, I'm not going to be accused. I'm not taking my comedian friends seriously. You are valued to us. Now, I have a lot of questions for you, but I want to start. How do you get, first of all, where, where were you born? Let's start there. So yeah, so I was uh, actually born in Brussels, uh, which is the capital of Belgium. Belgium, right? And uh, I grew up there. You know, went to school there, and also between my education, I always got very uh, uh, involved into my my culture, very attached to my culture. I grew up with my my community, so I would go back and forth to uh, Congo. So yeah. your so your roots are from the Congo. Exactly. And then how, what's, it, what's it like? I mean, is it, you just book a flight back to the Congo? I, forgive my ignorance here, but there's going to be a lot of ignorance on my end. For like, no, no, even... no. Um, so eight hours flight, uh, Belgium to Congo. And uh, Democratic uh, Republic of Congo, it's like in the center of Africa, Central Africa. Uh, the population is pretty much uh, 70, 70 something, one or two uh, million people. Okay. And uh, so I will go back because my parents, that's, that's where they, they came from. You know, they immigrated to Belgium from the Congo. And uh, I come from a culture where they love to, to have their children to know about Africa. You know what's so, oh, yeah, of course. You know what's so crazy? Because obviously, like, duh, in the U.S., we're a colony. We, you know, we're formed for, as a colony. But you've got, you've, Belgium was all over Africa back in oh, the yeah, day. Absolutely. I mean, aren't they, aren't they responsible, not, not to go straight to politics, but aren't they responsible for, like, the, one of the worst genocides? Wasn't it the Belgian people? So, like, so, and then because you've got the, the Senegalese, the Western Africa, they, they were colonized by France, right? Exactly. So you've got, a, you've got all, so much French being spoke there in Africa. Yes. Is that, is the Congo primarily French speaker? Yes, because uh, the, you know, the, colonies, the colonization that happened by uh, the King Leopold II from Belgium, that's where you know, spoke, uh, they speak French and also Dutch in some part of the country. So what was so the... Oh, sorry. How many you. languages do you speak? Uh, so I speak French. Uh, I still understand uh, Dutch because I never get to practice on the long term. Uh, but fluently, I speak French, Lingala, English and Spanish. Wow. Lingala. Which is the one of the fir- the main language in the Congo? I knew that. I was just what? testing you. <laughs> no idea. No idea. What does that even? I mean, that's that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous when you speak a language I didn't even know existed. 
That's when I, I was, I've I probably told you this before, you know, I've only spitballed a few French words at you mm-hmm. because I'm horrible at it. But um, when I studied abroad in France, the first thing I lost was my sense of humor. It, I could not translate a joke into French because I didn't have enough of the language to be charming. It's hard. But you're speaking English in doing stand-up comedy in, in your, in, in not in your, in your primary language. Well, you know what? Uh, that, that's a very good question. It's a lot of complexity in, in, you know, in that we can debate you know, all over. Uh, actually, um, there's a comedian, I think his name is uh, Eddie something. Sorry for the, the last name, I forgot. But he's actually, I think he's a British, went to France. He learned French like at an early age though, you know, so he got the French, definitely. He moved to France, and now he's doing comedy in both languages as well. See, that's a cute, uh, I mean, that's a great I mean, I think to, it really has to do with your fluency, right? You've got to be able to oh, understand yeah. the intricacies of a language and have, like, enough knowledge of, I don't know. I mean, I just, I, the structure, you know, there's yeah. so many different things. There, I would never, I, I'm so jealous of all the you o- multilingual the, people. The only joke I ever got in France, we were on a bus, and every, it was horrifying. They, they were passing this, like, megaphone around to everybody to introduce themselves because we were we were all going on our first like school field trip whatever and it was everyone spoke french everybody i mean they they knew i was so american when i walked into the bar they played american idiot i'm not kidding they so the i i go uh in french i go bonjour je m'appelle david je déteste president bush because this is in 2006 Freedom fries. so everyone yeah. i get i get an applause break everyone cheers for me and i'm like i don't even know what i said but and then french people are then what okay yeah it's like what else you got it's like that is it that's it fuck, fuck bush or whatever so why did why was it that your parents decided to uh, go to belgium uh okay so uh the congo so the Congo went through a different phase in the history. So at some point during this, in 1971, the Congo became Zaire, uh, rebatized by uh, this guy, uh, ex-president that called Mobutu. His name was Mobutu. He passed away. He's dead now. Um, and then came back to the Congo. But to get back to you, um, so during the 60s, 1960, June 30th, the Congo became independent, and this is where things got a little complicated because you know a lot of people were involved. European countries, you know, the U.S. were involved for the the, the natural resources. Of course, diamonds know. and all the yeah. Congo resources. Of course, so that of course going to create a lot of wars, a lot of violence, a lot of all these things. So many of them try to escape that, you know, and my dad was part of it. He was uh, actually an athlete. He's, uh, he was uh, the first professional boxer uh, from the Congo. Wow, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, to be able to, uh, to, to, you know, to, to have his career professionally in Europe, because at that time, during the 60s, uh, especially, uh, the, you know, be able to do that in Europe was like kind of the, the big picture. What was, I mean, because when was uh, Muhammad Ali had the rumble in the jungle? I'm going to mess up this so much, but what, no, was that can. in the 60s or 70s? 70s, yeah. In the 70s, so. Rumble in the jungle, yeah. So your dad was, he was like in the forefront. I mean, he was doing, he was boxing. Like, was it even us? Did he, did he have people to fight? Was it just on the amateur level? Or was he for, was he having to travel around to, you know, to these fights? So at first, because uh, my, he's originally from uh, Lubumbashi, which uh, is a region, small region away from Kin- the, the city of Kinshasa. Kinshasa is the capital. So before that, that was like a, a different type of journey, you know, escaping the poverty, uh, the, the, the small villages, you know, uh, in order to make in the city. 
and start finding eventually like the right uh, boxing gym to you know to practice find the right person um <clears throat> so my dad uh yes he, he went through through a lot of stuff that's, that's got to be wild like what you, what got him into boxing you just as a way out so my grandmom was actually uh, she was selling bananas making bananas uh, business on the, at the mall and uh, all these uh, you know the, the 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 how do you call it? The, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right. Uh, the people from Europe, some of the people were there. The Europeans people, they were making business. So they will always. She was like a huge. Uh, she was selling. She was doing well, and uh, she will get gift from people. They, they will have sympathy for her. She will bring. Uh, they will bring her like gift, like a magazine. So she would bring those magazines at home, and at home, when you know my dad was after school, would come back home and open this magazine, and they were on the magazine all these uh, boxer from the U.S., uh, uh, Robinson, uh, you know, all these great, amazing, yeah. And so my dad, as he saw all these great boxer from the U.S. making money and. So that inspired him a lot. That's crazy because that's just sharing information. You know what I mean? It's like we sound so we're so uh, we're so spoiled. Twenty twenty, right? You get the internet. You just know we know everything. Yeah. If but you almost don't know what sort of dream is possible until you see someone else doing it. Absolutely. You know, like when you're a kid and someone asks you what you want to be when you grow up, you say a teacher or a doctor because those are the only things that you know at the time. That's you don't right. realize that you can grow up to become a podcaster yeah. or whatever you know you don't know that that's a thing until you see yeah, someone ignorance else doing it. is sure. just ignorance will hold you back until you see you know everything from like the first sub four minute mile was the big deal then once they shatter that 20 people did it right after so it's like when you know you can do something now are, are your parents still around are they still alive uh unfortunately my dad passed away in december oh i'm sorry uh, to hear that yeah, it was a rough year but uh you know like you rest in peace and uh my mom, yeah, fortunately, still have my mom. Uh, but my dad, like, brought me so much uh, inspiration, you know. He, he, he taught me a lot of stuff, you know, in life. I'm sure. You know, so I, I, I'm very grateful because it, it's amazing to have a... We, sometimes we don't know how much value some people we, we have around us can be. Absolutely. You know? you know, so I was very fortunate to have, you know, someone like, just like my dad because he's just part of history, you know. People have like poster of their own heroes. I had my dad, you know. So that's incredible. Yeah, that's really incredible. Um, I can't. I'm, I'm gonna burp. Sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm drinking too much beer. I can't imagine. Uh, first of all, I can't imagine going through that. I've 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 been lucky enough so far, you know, to not to not have any issues with my mom or stepdad. My my father passed away several years ago. But I didn't really know him. So he was, I didn't have that hero. You know, I didn't have that like guy I really looked up to. I actually had a guy that I sort of felt bad because I sort of felt bad for him. He was a Vietnam vet and he just wasn't well off. So I almost felt bad for him, kind of like for his situation that he was kind of dying without much around him yeah. so i'm i come from it from a different end but to like idolize somebody and actually see like your dad act i mean we all think our you know we think our dad's a hero mm -hmm. but to actually have your dad be like somebody who's actually you know someone who loved you and raised you you know that leaves a mark on you forever oh yeah definitely now I, what did he think of your stand of you getting into stand-up was that uh, something you guys had talked about Oh yeah, he, he he gave me like he's the that's actually what I'm what I'm saying you know the reason why also for so many on so many level oh the sound is going really 
Oh, is it bad? Oh, no? I I, oh, okay. I can hear you on my end. Yeah, okay. It might perfect. be the headphones. So on so many levels, he he uh, he taught me how to, he gave me first of all, you know, like the the full support. I remember sharing because I was playing soccer at first. I was into soccer a lot, and um, I was good at it. But at some point, I started having a lot of injuries, and uh, you know, sometimes you know I had to face the reality. Okay. Do I really want to do that or yeah, what else? Yeah, it's hard to make a gamble you know? on sports as a career when yeah. you know that it's like such slim chances and such a short lifespan anyway. Absolutely. How it's, much more effort and sweat and tears do you really want yeah. to pour it's into It's like this? the opposite. Yeah, with with being an athlete, I, I was a not a successful athlete. But once you get to 24, 25, you, you're on the back end. So if you haven't made professional money <laughs> unless you're some crazy Disney story where some you know you trip and fall and your shoulders better or whatever with soccer I would feel like there's it's such a raw athletic thing that I would feel like you know because like here you know baseball you can be a fat slob and still hit a home run you know that we've got like these these sports that are just mm -hmm. tailor built for lazy Americans <laughs> but with soccer I mean yeah it's the opposite of stand-up the longer Absolutely. you do stand-up the better you get the longer you're uh, an athlete you're just atrophying exactly so of course, at the, you know, at, at that point, like you know, the time it's very important. Timing wise, it's just like it's now or just you know make something else. So I decided to to pursue comedy because it was just my nature. I realized that uh, since you know as a kid I was like making people laugh, and it was it's just a natural ability to make people laugh. You know. Would you be Would you be like uh, telling jokes and stuff while you're playing soccer, like around the team? Or, oh yeah. Like where did you Where did you first figure out that people found your humor like there? Wow, that's crazy. Uh, you know what? That was actually uh, going to a soccer tournament. Like we must like between two, uh, 12 to thirteen years old, and um, like the whole group after the the tournament. At night, I was just like making skits <laughs> by myself, improvising like a like show. Like I had my, I had my show. Everybody like would be sitting around, the coach, and and that's crazy that you asked me that. But because like not probably like last month, uh, they actually sent me the footage of of that. Uh, that wow! Night. Yeah. Really? Wow! So, yeah. Thirteen-year-old you just putting on a show yeah. for the team. And it's cool to look to look at that though as moments where you get you get because like with anything in life you 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 probably got into soccer because people were like dude you're fast you're good you know yeah. people start giving you these affirmations positive that you get in, feedback positive yeah feedback. from your peers and your family absolutely so you 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 figure out something you're naturally good at and then you explore that but for a lot of people no one thinks of stand up as a career because you only until the internet recently yeah. you would just see Chris Rock destroying in front of 3,000 people. Exactly. So it's hard. But then you come to an open mic, you see a couple of losers barely tell a joke, and then it's like, okay, that's <laughs> kind of funny. So, like, where did you first try stand-up? Like, where were you? Okay, so at first, and then, you know, like, it didn't happen, like, okay, uh, epiphany, 13 years old. No, not like that, because, uh, you know, you had no idea. You, life's still, still on, and uh, you, you go through life having those experiences. Uh, so actually, so my coach told me, hey, man, you should, you're an artist, man, you should, you should be, you should pursue comedy. But, and many years after, I tried to get back into soccer, and he said, oh, you haven't pursued comedy yet? And he was, like, very serious. Wow. Yeah, I was like, what the heck is he talking about? <laughs> you know, and, and, and I realized I had a revelation after that. I was, like, actually, 
uh, invited uh, into a friend's house and um, they put on a show that was a comedy show of a very successful French comedian. And the first 15 minutes, I knew, okay, what I was going to do in my life. It was like, okay, this is it. You got the bug by seeing him exactly. perform stand-up in French. Absolutely. Very I, interesting. I was like, okay, this is me. I know, I know it is. So yeah, it's almost like you feel that calling. You like see Absolutely. somebody doing that thing that you know that you could do, yeah. that you know you want to do deep in your gut, and it just pulls you in. So where did you first try? Where did you first try stand-up? Okay, was it in yeah. L.A. or was it... Sorry, yes. Uh, so here in L.A. No, no, at first I started doing comedy in Belgium, sorry, in French. Do they have like open mics? They had open mics. For the open mics, you had to go in Paris. Okay. Yeah. So, but we had like a comedy circuit in Belgium, but it wasn't that good because uh, it's a small world still. You know, now it's, it's getting much better and better. But at that time, the um, the comedy circuit must you know is much better in France. They have like a lot of comedy clubs. They have theater. They have all these things. Now, is your this uh, soccer coach that wa that said you should try comedy? Uh, do you stay in touch with him? Oh yeah. Has does he have Amazon? Uh, not yet, but uh, he get you know he get to me like a lot of messages. Send me a message. So he's going to uh, his son. We in touch, and uh, he's going to to, to watch the, the Amazon. Thing. So Julian, uh, this week, right? This week, uh, your your episode, your your show, um, Laugh with Africa, premiered yeah. on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime, yeah. Shot in New York City, which I loved because that's where I got my start. Now at Broadway Comedy Club. Exactly. How did how did it how did it feel? How did the New York? Because it's because because honestly, it's not always good. You know, we we glorify things from across the way. We're always like, ah, oh, dude, New York comedy. That's but it's true. like I remember plenty of shit New Yorker audiences. You know, absolutely. How was it? You know what? For the first time, and that was actually my first time as well. Uh, in and New I remember, York? Yes, in New York. So Yikes. first of all, you know, get to experience for the first time the city of New York is just amazing. And and, and then I remember that you you, you told you told, telling me that was at Birth Bag Room. Uh, oh, I told you at Birth. Yeah. <laughs> that you actually had uh, many experiences in, in New York. Um, but anyway, yeah, that was, honestly, I wasn't, expect that, uh, I wasn't expecting that. It was a very good, actually. A good uh, responses from the audience, because I know sometimes, especially in the comedy circuit, we always hear the noise of n New York uh, uh, audience. Uh, like trash and stuff like that, but uh, very good response. Yeah, well, it certainly has changed over the years, and it depends what part of New York you're in. Just like LA, like if you're in West Hollywood or at one of the A clubs, you're going to get like a touristy audience. But if you're at, you know, east of LA, you're going to get, you know, a Latino crowd, which is my worst nightmare. Exactly. Worst nightmare. <laughs> because Why? I don't. I've just bombed in front of Latino crowds more than anyone else. <laughs> Mainly, they don't like you. But a black crowd, I can work with. I don't know. But like when I moved out west, we didn't. It's gonna sound ridiculous, but yeah. we didn't have a Latino culture in New England. From New England, we have clam chowder, right? So we didn't have like the Latino culture. But out here, it's obviously Southern California. It's 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 we're in Mexico. So you get you get any comic that like is born and bred out here has all these zingers for like dealing with the that Mexican crowd that I just don't put. It's just not in my tool book. So it's like you either like my jokes about Rhode Island or you don't. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. I got nothing. Gotta expand a little bit, honey. I know I got nothing for them. But oh. um, was New York? Wait, wait, was it? Were the comedy clubs as gross as, like, were you surprised at all? Because the New York comedy clubs are all just basements of restaurants for mm -hmm. the most part. Everything's underground. Yes. What I, what, what I like about New York is, like, uh, it's straight for, for that, for comedy, no bullshit. And 
they tell you in your face that you know if it, if they like it or not you know so you will know um the the energy was great too um not that many many people that you know honestly like that was a good show uh, now that was my first time and I didn't get the chance to to stay longer to perform at you know other places and it sucks that you <laughs> it's like shut down for so long yeah. I mean because they say good comedy right happens where you don't want to be in a fire so it's always dark attics basements so with you know obviously we're podcasting from a roof right now is you know it's going to be a long time before I think people get back to performing it in what at least will be good stand-up audiences, which is getting everyone crammed together. Packed in Absolutely. nice and tight. You, yeah. Tasha's, you've, you, Tasha's been to hundreds of shows. You, you've seen, and you, you know my jokes, she knows my jokes like the back of my hand. She hates everything I say. Like she's, she's heard it all. So she, but you know when like, when I got the audience, we're good. Yeah. We're dancing, baby. We're having fun. You know, and I can tell because like sometimes she'll film some of my sets and every once in a while I'll hear a laugh on the tra on the camera and I'm like, oh, she actually laughed at a joke. But it's usually something she's never heard before because, you know, the, the magic is gone, Tasha. Unexpected thing, right? <laughs> now what, I have some questions for you regarding, and, and, and excuse my ignorance, but we don't always get a, um, a uh, Belgian-born comedian with roots in the Congo. But what do you think of when you see the Black Lives Matter movement that's happening right now as a, as sort of like a somebody from, you know, obviously from Europe looking yeah. in? Uh, well, you know, first of all, that's, uh, that's shitty, that's a shitty things because it could have been me, you know, I'm black. So it could have been someone I know and the list goes on and on, you know. I just think that uh, it's, it's like the, the, it's been too much, too many years. It happened. Those those things happen every day on a daily basis. It happens. It's just that now you know we live in a culture with you know social media, camera, and that fortunately for that is providing some accountability. Yeah, exactly, and that got caught on camera. Now, but are you exp were you experiencing this in Belgium? Like, was is is this is this is a uniquely racism as prevalent in Europe as it is here? It's not, it's not, I, I want to say it's not the same as here. Here is very different because also like, I th I believe it is, you know, it's from the, the fact that, you know, America is young, younger compared to many, many countries in Europe. So here we're still in that tense of, you know, racism and also the system, the way, you know, the system we built here, it's definitely what a, you know, a system of oppression. Yeah. You know, so when you see all this march, all the violence it's also it's it's like the the for so many years you know when you go dig down in the history the way things are built is just like uh, unbelievable you know so at some point it's going to be a problem and we can't really solve the issues if half the country thinks that it's all like fake news so I, so that's why it's it's interesting to ask you coming you know as an outsider who's lived who lives here but also you know seeing Has it from that the, bigger perspective because we got I, i'm from new england where you know didn't didn't think racism is a big issue, but obviously like Boston's kind of known as a city that's got, you know, some roots there. And I just found found this out as a Rhode Islander, which I don't know if you know Rhode Island's between Boston and New York. Okay, but East as, Coast, right? Yeah, East Coast. Yep. But as a Rhode Islander, they were complicit because they were involved in the slave trade. They were, they were, they were selling, you know, slaves, even though slavery wasn't, wasn't legal in the North. So, and then Tasha's from Kentucky where that's, Kentucky's kind of right on the board. I mean, they come on, they got Kentucky fried chicken. 
That's about yeah. as that is the, 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 that's a the, cur, the colonel looks uh, racist. Absolutely. I don't know if the colonel is racist. I'm sure he double batter fries his chicken, but he looks like a racist guy. Even they even An changed old the name. Mustachioed white man. <laughs> Just in a white linen suit. That's where you get it from. Yeah, that's it. So, but like with Tasha, um, uh, by the way, we got a siren going by here. We're talking about Black Lives Matter, the cops are coming for us. But Tasha, you see that? yeah, I don't even know. We always have something going on here. Um, Tasha's, you know, like comes from you know a city where the ma- the the mascot was the Confederate, like Confederates. Well, like my high school rebels. mascot was the Rebels, but wow. yeah, it's it's interesting because just like Dave said, the, the United States is so spread out and not really diverse unless you're in the big cities. So if you live in some place like New York or Los Angeles or Boston or like a bigger city, then you're going to experience some diversity. But where I'm from in Kentucky, 99% white people. Where Dave is from, what's your ratio? I mean, 99% white people. So the people that we grew up with that never left town, you know, didn't go to college to some place that's a big city. They just, you know, I, I, this is a sort of, I mean, I don't want to make it political, but it's an argument that keeps coming up again and again, that people from my hometown and just these other very white places in particular think racism is not a problem because they, they don't experience it. They don't experience it personally. It's the same. They don't think that sexism is a problem because they don't experience it personally because they live in a small town and they never had someone slap their ass on the subway. Exactly. You know, it's just, I think it's just about exposure more than anything else. I certainly have learned a lot by dating Tasha with, with just talking about sexism because I can't tell how many times I'll be on the phone with her and she'll, have, she'll be getting cat called. And, but that would never happen with me there. So that's a problem that might also exist with racism is that a lot of times it happens when like, People know that that if they pull that shit with others around, they wouldn't they wouldn't well, they, get away with it. Right. They exactly. would be held accountable. You know, Absolutely. and that's what hopefully cell phone technology is doing. And they don't even talk to a cop without a body cam on. Just as much as we don't want like a, a, a state that's just policed and videotaped and everything, it's kind of the solution. Because for every video camera thing that's happened, I mean, God knows the type of shit that went down exactly. the last hundred. Yeah. That nobody Absolutely. was witness to. Because yeah. we didn't have cell phones going off and this and that. Oh. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, so that's very unfortunate. And it's also like, uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, when everything was built on crimes, violence, it's, it's, at some point the karma is going to catch up. You know, it's, it's just a natural thing. You know, sooner or later, something is going to happen. Yeah, and and of course, this being the pandemic and the actual like the eight minutes forty six seconds, yeah. it's like at some point, it's not j- there's there isn't this sort of like well, you c- you can't just write this shit off the way that you might have write off, written off something where you only saw the transcript and not the video. Not to say that it was being written off before, but now with people already being stir crazy, already saying enough is enough. I mean, the shit that's coming out right now with these personal loans that have all gone to lobbyists and they've all gone to like, um, you know, Mitch McConnell's wife. She's a fucking billionaire Chinese woman. She inherited 40 billion from her parents. I actually just looked this up today Jesus. because we were, t- I was, 
talking with someone, uh, it devolved from a why should I wear a mask conversation and me spitting facts to him saying something about term limits. And I was like, I'm so on board with you on enacting term limits. Mitch McConnell got elected in 1984. <laughs> He's literally had his job longer than I've been alive. And he is just, you know, completely wow. shit all over the Constitution, the three branches of government, caused irreparable harm to the United States. It's and wild that that to, can happen. To get, you know, millions of dollars richer. Now, but the, the, the Europeans, from what I've learned... When, when I So when I studied in France, Bush was president. I was still, I don't know if this is too inside baseball, I was still defending Lance Armstrong. Everyone in France was like, dude, Lance Armstrong's a cheater. If people Scientist. don't know, he's a, he, won yeah. like, he won like six uh, Tour, Tour de France's in a row after having his ball removed from cancer and, and all this. He was doping. Everyone was doping. The first like 38 people doped, right? So if they wanted to, so it, he wasn't the only one. But I was so ignorant studying abroad being like, dude, come on. No, he's not. Like I, w I just had the blinders on. I'm not a dumb guy. I had the blinders on. Bush was in office, this and that. Hurricane Katrina I just happened. You know, it's confirmation bias. You believe what you want to believe. Like, if you want to believe that Lance Armstrong is your hero, you're going to find a million ways to support him being a hero. But what I learned was how much I couldn't, and I couldn't articulate this in French for sure, nor could I in English, but I couldn't articulate with my European friends anything political. Like, they knew more about my politics than I did. And that's what's interesting. Like, what, like, have you noticed that uh, coming over here? That are you more? Do you, do you feel like you just know more about world politics? Yeah, I think also it's because the fact of we don't have the same uh, system, educational system. So here in in the United States of America, the, when you go to school, you learn, you know, most of the history, you know, classes that you're going to learn. It's about America. When you go to Europe, you're learning about other places. You know, so you do already have your background, it's kind of prepared, you know, you know, you have that type of knowledge about different, you know, culture um, and, and history already from different places. And I think the other thing is your news media doesn't have a reason to spin a bias, but ours does. So we end up with citizens who are super under-informed because mm -hmm. they're getting their news from only one source. And we have, very, you know, like... Fox News is a very right-leaning yeah. network. CNN is more left-leaning network. So if you're getting your news from, you know, like we're going to get a, you're going to get a less biased picture because right. you guys don't have stakes in the game. Now, I want to take a hard pivot because I don't want to not talk about this. We're a dating and relationship-based podcast. American women versus European women. What have you seen the differences are we oh, are we gosh. a bunch of prude? We got a bunch of prudes over here, no? Puritans. <laughs> we were founded on tight-wadded Puritans, you know. Uh. Have you have you been able to like go back to a Belgian and uh you know brag about uh, you know being some hip LA comic out here? Uh, how about women? You want to? Yeah, I feel like you got all you got to do is put the uh, Amazon Prime photo that you have laughing with Africa. Uh, That's no. it. You put that in your Tinder profile, and you just like you know, you come on, <laughs> fishing with dynamite is what we call. I don't know if you have that term in uh, the French language, but we call uh, it fishing with dynamite. Fishing, thank you. Le poisson de, I don't know how to say. <laughs> no, 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 piche, piche. Okay. Oh, piche. Okay, yeah, piche. Uh, okay, so no, because you know, I, I'm thinking that. Uh, even though, you know, it, it's amazing, it's, uh, you know, being on Amazon Prime video, but, you know, I still have, like, 
so far to go, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, dude, I'm on the roof with you. I hear you. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have NBC knocking down our doors. <laughs> we got an unfinished roof here. But it's still like you've, I mean, you have you have you had any uh, have you had any girlfriends out here in LA? Yes, I did. I did. Uh, so when I moved here after after like maybe a, a year or so, yeah, maybe after a year and a half, um, yeah, I started dating, and uh, I, I you know I got to learn a lot because a lot of the the cultural cultural shock that was interesting, seeing you know a different perspective. Uh, where, like in this society, you know, women are on a different pedestal. In America. Yeah, in America. And How so? Good. Yeah, let's knock yeah, Tasha I'm, down. No, no, I'm really <laughs> curious about this perspective. Yeah, the fact that I saw. So, okay, after a couple of weeks on the street, I will see like women yelling at the, the, you know, the boyfriend or whatever, just like yelling and and being violent, like threatening that you know she was about to hit him. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was in shock. I never saw anything like that before, you know? Like just yelling at men. Uh, You're saying women in a, in the in the US don't have enough respect for their men. I think is what I'm, what I'm picking up, Tasha. No, no, no. Or are just European women a little more polite in public. But you're also looking at LA, That's which exactly is exactly what I'm trying to, in general. You know, I don't want to put the, all the w American women in the same box, but it's pretty much in the culture. It's a cultural thing, I believe, you know? But LA is a weird like, have you been around anywhere else besides L.A. and New York? Because L.A. is a weird city. I mean, this is it a is, Hollywood. Is. This is the Absolutely. only place in the world that, I mean, you can see the Hollywood sign, by the way, over there. Oh, yeah? Uh, it's kind of in the, uh, yeah, uh, see it over the there? front of my there face. There it is, right folks. There. People didn't believe <laughs> didn't us. didn't even realize They it. didn't think we were on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> You're making it, baby. <laughs> this is your big credit. Amazon Prime, then the sap. <laughs> but, like, uh, you know, so it's a weird place here. But have you um, have you met any, not, okay, have you met any women that don't have headshots? Because they always say a woman with a headshot, you got to be careful about because <laughs> they're going after their own type of fame and this and that, Tasha. I'm just well, saying. L.A. in general is just, you know, it's a town full of beautiful people yeah. who are here to make it. And whatever their thing is, they're here to make it as an actor or model or whatever. So it it's it's a strange city, unlike other U.S. cities in that regard. It is. It is. In a sense of, uh, you know, what, you know, what I, I, I think what makes L.A. like kind of weird in that aspect it's that um, everyone looking for something, you know, everybody pursuing something, you know. So, of course, uh, you're going to see a, a bunch of beautiful, good-looking women, uh, you know, looking for something that they, they don't want you, you know. They, they want to be yeah, with the guy. Yeah, they're focused on you know? their career, career or whatever, and having a relationship can be a bit of a distraction. Yeah. Now, we used to have, when I lived in New York more so than now, because, I mean, pretty much everyone in L.A., you kind of assume we work in entertainment, but in New York, a lot of times you'd meet a girl, and the first thing they would say is, what do you do? Because that was, like, your identity <laughs> was you're either a finance bro, or you do this, or you do that. Well, and yeah, because there were just a lot, there was, like, a bigger variety of professionals in New York, I feel like. Well, yeah, but correct me if I'm wrong, but... Do they is what you do as is it less important in Belgium in Bel in, than here because I feel like we attach our, ourselves to our jobs which can be dangerous because here we are in a global pandemic a lot of people lost their jobs which we attach our health we attach our healthcare to our jobs we attach our retirement funds to our jobs and all of our identity so when it's gone yeah your you know, sense you of purpose almost I know like when I wasn't working anymore at the start of the pandemic I really went through this emotional roller coaster. Because, like, I, I, so much of the way that I perceive my value is 
by making money, by my job title, you know, and being useful in that way is a big part of my like self-worth, I guess. Was it that way in in Belgium? No, it's it's way, way more different because, you know, like for example, whatever, Belgium, France, those countries are, in that sense, it's, it's very good because you can, I mean, it's easy to get into a relationship without any of the this bullshit that we're talking about because like you you know over there people fall in love because they, they they're sharing the same passion for the same book for example uh it's not necessarily around the same the it sa- sounds so romantic uh, yeah. it you know? sounds like a movie here we <laughs> fall in love if you own <laughs> land do you own land i love you i love that you own you have gen you have generational wealth i'll blow you for your generational wealth. yeah we, we it's real though it's real yeah i mean i mean i've heard that before but i like to ask because it's something we talk a lot about following your passions and here in the U.S. at least, you know, because we don't have as much of like a social net. So a lot of times with what we do, stand-up comedy, Tasha Models, you aren't making the money till you're the boss, till you're the CEO. So as an opener, as a middle, you're going to make a couple bucks, beer money here and there. But until you can sell the thing or fill the seats, you don't make the money. And it's kind of it, it's kind of tough to break in because you have to come from a, a place where you, you have to at least survive with all your other jobs. And again, sometimes, you know, like they say, the brick walls aren't meant to keep people out. It's meant to show you how bad you want something. Mm-hmm. So like... When you decided to do stand-up, was your family worried? Uh, be, you know, cause you, I mean, you're moving across the world. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Did you move to LA because of stand-up? Yeah, absolutely. So tell, yeah, walk us through that thought process. Yep. And when you knew you, when you, you know, it's like that butterfly. You know, when you, when you, when you're stuck in the cocoon too long, you got to break gotcha, out. Like, yeah. when did you know that was the thing to do? So, so as I say, so back to when I watched the, you know, the, TV, the, the comedy show of that guy, uh, his name is Jamel Debouze, the way, uh, successful comedian in France. From that point, I decided to move to France, like af- two weeks after that, or three weeks. Moved to France, had my experience for a year, I was, because I always had family back in France. So I had an experience and I get to see the real scene of comedy closer to you know from you know very different yeah, from Belgium. different not five thousand miles you know? away <laughs> <laughs> exactly to had like an idea of what it is and then came back with my uh in belgium with my dad and this is where uh that was like this is like one of the most uh time of my life because i will have to you know to get a job a stable job helping my dad because his health was not at the best you know but at the same time, he will bring, like, on a, every night after work, we will sit down and he will just give me inspiration, like a word of wisdom to, to go. Because at that point, I say, okay, dad, I think I want to move to America to, to try to, to, to do this comedy on, on that level, you know. Um, I feel like you got a screenplay there. <laughs> Everyone's got their story, right? You got a, you you got a very unique story there. So 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 how long did it take between that moment in 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 getting out here because you know because there's a lot of people that listen to the uh, podcast that you know are on the cusp of making a leap mm-hmm. and a lot of times you you don't make that leap until you know we've talked about well, you this you have to get your ducks in a row right but at some point when you're set up it's time to take that leap of faith but, but you can never be too set up 
but I know what you mean about getting prepared, but yeah. like you, there'll always be something you're not ready for. And sometimes you just got to book the flight. Like there's always that finite moment where you go, I guess this is it. Like, was it like, w- did you just book a flight to LA? Like what, what's the process? No, no, there? no, no, no. The process was just, you know, like focus on having this job, um, as a server back in Belgium, uh, saving money. And uh, I had a lot of obstacles, like, for example, you know, family members will tell me, oh, and friends, oh, you can't even speak a word of English. What the heck are you doing? You know, you're not going to go there. And what are you doing? What do you mean? You, they said you didn't speak English. You speak English perfectly. <laughs> yeah, what was your English Did like you- compared to now? Because this is good English. Oh, I couldn't speak any word. When I moved here, I didn't speak any word of English. <laughs> no. I promise. Our lives are... I, I still have friends that, that met me at that, at that you know, at that... Uh, uh, moment of uh, the journey. You're yeah. so successful that you have to involve language with the one of the hardest careers to get into. You're like, I n- not <laughs> yeah. only do I want to do stand-up comedy, I want to start learning that language I don't learn. How long have you but, been in L.A.? Uh, seven years now. Okay. Seven years. See, Tasha, but, I told you I like this guy. <laughs> how old are you? I'm in my 30s, 32. Okay. 32, okay. All right, Tasha's not no, going to say her age, but she's... No, but 32 minus 7 means, like, I sh- if I had moved to France at 25, my brain still might have been no, soft you, no, enough no, no, to no, learn no. a language you don't have, he's, by immersion. But he's European, so he for him to learn English, he's already but, got... He, yeah, what's yeah. I don't even remember the language yeah. he speaks, you know what I mean? Like, he's already got a lot going on. Yeah. I feel like the more languages you know, the quicker... And I'm not I'm not making light of what you, no, you've no, done, no. but, like, I'm Listen, sure... Listen, I've got light... French and light Spanish. All right, so afterwards, I think if uh, I moved someplace, I could probably pick up a little bit if I was forced well, cool, to. So cool. It's a daily practice, you know. We, like we went to Thailand else, you know? and we didn't learn one word. <laughs> we spent a week in Thailand. We didn't learn like "cupy crop." I think was what I learned, which they, doesn't even mean. No, anything. you said it completely wrong. <laughs> daily practice, but but yeah, back to uh, so with my dad. So every night he will just like. I will, I will share my ambitions, you know, of life, dreams and stuff like that. And he, he just walked walk me through it. You know, hey, sit down. Don't worry. Just focus. If you go there, just don't stop. Never wow. give up, you know. And this is why, because my dad, especially coming where he came from, the Congo, the culture, you know, the 60s coming to Europe, most of the dads... Uh, as, you know, like my dad, as the same age, they don't have that mentality. You know, for them, when they have children, they just want their children to become lawyer, uh, doctor. You know, something they have that's that. like a sure path exactly. to success. So also, it's a blessing. I mean, I consider that as a blessing to have the, the fact that I had a dad that uh, he wasn't um, a degree approval, approval degree parent. You know, what I mean, he just like pushing you into your dreams just go do it if now, you think you want to do that does the first of all amazing amazing that you've got that support there that that you had like that kind of figure that can that can give that his faith in you mm-hmm. because it does mean a lot to have the the stamp of approval and the faith absolutely i remember my stepdad i remember because he's a blue collar worker he goes i remember when i was getting into acting stand-up comedy he goes look i don't know what you're doing but i know that you know how to succeed so like I have faith in you, but he, like he had no idea. Uh, yeah. Whereas like your dad, as a as a boxer, it's a it's it's a similar thing. Where like boxing such a valued um, 
uh, medium in um, in movies because it's so singularly like simple. It's like you either win or you lose. You either knock the guy out or he knocks you out. <laughs> so it's a very simple thing to in movies that like the like the Cinderella man. They, 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 they just, you overcome them. Rocky, you get knocked on your ass, you get yeah. back up. Stand up, you don't you don't get the black eye. You don't break your nose doing it. But it's very similar. You either have a good set or you don't. Absolutely. Yeah. So for him to just for him to give you the advice to like pursue it now is, is do you guys have the term plan b is that a term that exists like yes, is that yes. is that trans yeah. because i've always been i've always been against the idea of having like a fallback plan that is there in case you fail exactly. because yeah, of course failure is just you know quitting yeah. at whatever it is you were trying to do for the most part you know what i mean well and just to, you know to bring up alone we've been watching this show called alone what's it on it's on it's on the history channel but it's on hulu and netflix right okay. yeah but it's basically these guys or well women too but they at the beginning of the show they drop off 10 people in the wilderness and and all in separate places and their whole goal is to survive as long as possible so at, but but the recurring theme that we see with people who are successful mm -hmm. on this show is that they have this mentality that that their challenges quitting it's all in their mind right yep. it, it's it's really just about their mental attitude do they have an attitude of like being able to overcome challenges or do they have an attitude of defeat absolutely you know Am I making sense at all? Absolutely. It is, it is. And that's going to determine... Your success. Absolutely. So... Your PMA, positive mental attitude. Yeah, right? positive mental attitude. I just didn't know, I didn't know if that was something, if plan B was like a an Americanized term. Because, you know, we have the whole thing. Obviously, whenever whenever you like generalize a group of people, you're going to prove, you're going to prove yourself wrong. But the, the, the American dream was... Uh, uh, this idea that you could have success coming from nowhere. I wonder if the American dream has made a lot of us lazy in the sense that there's this expectation of success here where, where, where immigrants and foreigners will come in out hustle out work do the jobs no one else wants to do and and build and, and you know because it's like it's almost like everyone's American dream is different mm -hmm. but also I think there is a laziness that we have where like we say we're a hardworking people I'm not I'm not I don't mean to just bash all of the US but I think I think we we don't always uh, label what it is like that dream is you that know that's a inter uh, an inter inter interesting, sorry, interesting point um, uh, because I feel like you don't get to see or you don't you don't get to value as you should if you are there already. You know, like I think for someone coming from the outside, that individual might have more, you know, to see. The perspective is different. I think, you know. Yeah. Now, did you? So, what was it that made you decide on Los Angeles? You know what? I just uh, so yeah, there was like two or three different factor. First of all, me like I didn't go like oh the American dream. To me, it was like simple as that. Stand up, it's from America, and if I want to be a good one, I want to go to Mecca of that field. That that was it. And now when I do my research, I know that you know New York is the city of stand up. You know it's the best stand up uh, from New York, but. 
I grew up in Belgium. We have the snow, we have the rain, <laughs> you know, so I was just tired of yeah, that. Yeah, you wanted you know? the palm trees. Yeah, exactly. Look, I, I mean, I, New York is the mecca of stand-up, but L.A., a pre-pandemic, was on a roll. <laughs> L.A. was on a roll. L.A., a lot of New Yorkers are trying to catch up to L.A. in the podcasting game. L.A.'s got a little bit more space. Mm -hmm. And there ain't no podcasting on a... Maybe you could podcast on a roof in New York, but, you know, there's... Yeah, you totally could in yeah, the summer. Yeah, but, I mean, like, for not to mention the... I mean, I got an extension cord running down the building right now. People could just <laughs> see the OSHA violations that we have here. <laughs> just trying to have a... I'm going to have birds going to shit on me. There's actually a hawk. Just in case. There are hawks that live in that building behind me there, so every, this is... I had, a, I had a bit about getting attacked by a hawk but a hawk a hawk actually wow. uh tried to try to take my head off down the road it thought I, yeah no it went it went after me but uh, that's that's neither here nor there um, <laughs> <laughs> what were yeah, you even talking about? i don't know but no you, you chose la and i mean, no, la is a good place to be what's what's the plan like are you is your family worried about you because belgium they don't have coronaviruses is, is doing okay in europe right there it's not yeah most most of the countries in europe now they they just got back to normal uh regular life but you know that we still of course respecting all these uh uh distance and stuff like that but are we stubborn regulation. is it a uh, is the u.s stubborn or yeah. we have bad luck what is it no we're stubborn arrogant <laughs> sure. and ignorant and self-centered that i mean that's really what it comes down to i think everybody is so well because we're all about like freedom like our our creed exactly. is freedom like you America, can't take away my right Right. It, like America's number one word is freedom, right? That's just what you associate. So people just, you know, they, they're not willing to make any concessions. They're like not willing baby. to make exactly. any personal sacrifices for the greater good. It's all about me, 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 me. It's, this it, is why we need a group of elders. We need a group of like elders, kind of like what the Supreme Court would be, but we need six left and six right, and we need them to get together and be like, science isn't a hoax. You know, like we need people that the left can believe and that the right can believe, because that's what we don't have. Like, like it, you know, you know, our rights, our quote unquote rights that we have, is really an entitlement. Mm -hmm. But like for the most part, most European countries have they they have a strong healthcare. They've got. I mean, yeah, it's weird. It's it's there. You're. Europe is su such an older, well organized. Well organized. Yeah. Uh, and this is one of the things also, I, I, like I never understood, like, you know, the social part of the, you know, the system, like the fact that there is no social system well, well built for the people that need it, you know? It's you got to take an Uber to the hospital. Yeah. No one wants a $20,000 yeah. ambulance, exactly. you know what I mean? <laughs> That's it's ridiculous. I never understood. I don't people, understand. You, you might as well get a, get a limo with a hooker before you take an ambulance. <laughs> I used to drive Uber, and I've driven people to the hospital, many people. And and, and and you don't know till they're in the car, and you're like, don't bleed on my seats, please. You know, there's always, I've driven guys getting jumped yeah. or whatever. But it's like, we yeah, we don't have, you know, and maybe the pandemic is going to change that, but we haven't had the, the honest discussions because until you have cancer, until you've got some serious issue and you see the medical bill, it doesn't affect you. Exactly. So. That's the problem with this pandemic. It's like until it affects you, you just everyone thinks everything's made up, which is probably a result of a lot of shit that has been made up. Mm -hmm. You know, like we've been we've been for too long. The U.S. has been living the dream in our own part of the world, whereas Europe, you guys, especially Belgium, knock you guys are bumping elbows with everyone. 
I mean, Belgium is you got you got uh, the Dutch, the the French. You you got every every you're this. Mm. I mean, you're, the European Union's in Brussels, right? You're, yeah, you're yeah. from the center of the European Exa- Union. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so you yeah. guys you guys have this respect that like we see like Canadians have. Like Canadians have a respect because they're a smaller country compared to the yeah. U.S. Mm-hmm. But the U.S. is just like your fat uncle at the barbecue. <laughs> the U.S. is a bully. Don't you think yeah. they're a bully? Like. I don't know. It's I like think so. Europe, you're surrounded by other countries and you have to get along, right? Like you have neighbors, you're all in close proximity. You have to get along. The U.S., you know, we share a border with Canada and Mexico. We kind of bully both of them. I don't know. I mean, the we U.S. Just, like farts in-, in the elevator as it walks out. <laughs> That's what the U.S. is doing. It's like, you know what? Fuck it. We don't need you. But but for those listening, like I don't, you know, you know, we have we have audience all over. It's not any hatred that we have towards the U.S. It's like, let's do better. Let's yeah. do better. Isn't that the most... Well, a lot of people were talking about this on 4th of July. Like, isn't that the most patriot, patriotic thing of all to, like, see our country know that it could do better and want better for it. Like actively want to make the change. I want to improve this place. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's what I think is inspirational about your story is that if anyone who's listening to this isn't hustling, isn't running as fast as they can to their dreams, you got Julian over here doing it in a different language. So step up, use this time during the pandemic where we're all forced to kind of figure our shit out. Use this, get your ducks in order, figure out what it is you want to do and attack the shit out of it. Because you, you're an example of a guy who just, you make a decision what you want to do and then everything follows. And so, then you don't quit till you get it, right? I think that's the key. You know, if you want to see result, I think we, we must be committed, you know. Commitment, there's result. Commitment right. to results. Look, we yeah. could keep talking, but the sun just went behind the mountains. Amazing, we hit way. sunset, so I think we should end on that. I mean, right? I, I feel like uh, come back, come back yeah. next time. Uh, thank, thank you, you for, for being me. our first uh, guest. Rooftop that was, guest. That was awesome, man. I think this was good. It, it actually got kind of cool, right? This good was yeah, I should have brought up a sweater. Do you have any uh, any advice for the podcast? Do you think this worked out okay? It, w- it wasn't too hot? Man, uh, I think I show my appreciation uh, as soon as I step in. You know, like that was a very nice setup in here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you got some uh, refreshment, like some drinks. <laughs> we'll have to have beers. people check out our YouTube. We got, t- we got uh, the sap sign, which is normally hanging on our wall, on Tasha's easel. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we're like 14 year olds Tasha's got an easel we've got our little uh, recording equipment on our, our little picnic table here on the roof but um, uh, where can people find you aside from Amazon Prime if anyone is Amazon Prime you can check out Laughing with Africa you, you're the first comic on the on this show right mm-hmm. yeah. and um, and then where else can people find you social media this social media I go by Chickens uh, Junior G-R so Chickens T-S-H-I-K-E-N-S underscore G-R you made that really hard for people. <laughs> you got we'll that rewind. The, 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 the rewind button. Uh, are you then, just type uh, Julian Chikuna? You're gonna find me. What do so, you uh, just? Are yeah. you write, Are you writing any stand up? Are you waiting? Like, what are you doing in this process? Oh, now you know what. Actually, I uh, I say that you know during this time, is no way you can you can let this COVID nineteen situation get to you. You know, especially you know. You're pursuing something. You're a comedian. You're an artist. You have all things going on. Uh, so I, I'm just trying to stay creative. I write skits. 
I'm keeping on writing um, uh, stand-up also, you know, Great. I'm, I'm filming every day, I have projects and stuff, you know, I'm here on the podcast, <laughs> you know? Yeah, just so, finding ways to pivot. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're trying to do. We're, we're, we're knee-deep trying to get our website done and, and, you know, all this backlogged shit, like, now is the time. I know we've mentioned, we've talked about this, Tasha and myself have, that, like, there's a lot of reasons to be stressed. There's a lot of reasons with all the civil unrest and all the issues. But with all that said, use this time as best as you can to get your head right and come out of it stronger, whatever Absolutely. that is. Absolutely. At first, it's not, and you know, for the, you know, and we bear, of course, with the people that, they, you know, they, they're going through a hard time during this situation because it's not easy for everybody. But I think you, you know, you have to, to try your best to look at the bright side of it. And, and make the best of it, you know, like to me, I say, you know what, this is the perfect time. I have no excuse. You know, I have time right now, you know, thanks God, I'm, I'm doing okay financially, blah, blah, you know, so why do I don't use that time to write, to, you know, to read, to educate myself a little more on stuff than I want to catch up, you know? Absolutely. So, so I think you're, I time. think your dad would be very you proud know. of you. So, I really, I, I, I was proud you. of you, man. You know? I was proud of you to hear you, you know, you got to fly to New York for, to do some stand up. I mean, it's the, it's, it's just a step on a long journey, but I'm happy for you. Thank you very much. Of course, support, man. Thanks man. for coming by. Tasha, anything you want to promote over there? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> at, Website coming to uh, coming soon. Uh, you can find Tasha me on Courtney. Instagram at Tasha Courtney or TikTok Tasha underscore Courtney. I'm trying, y'all, you need to help me out on my TikTok because I'm not getting any views lately, and it's bull poopy. So go on my TikTok and, and uh, like some videos or something. And then we'll and then pretty soon we'll we'll be able to uh, share with you uh, the the travel blog and um, and all the other fun things we got going on. But again, thanks thanks so much. No, thank you. Uh, everybody this was the sap. Have thank a good one. Guys. Bye thank guys. You.